Basketball is very good. Luka Doncic will fall out of the top 5. Mo Bamba will be the best big in the draft. SGA will go ahead of Trey Young. Basketball is very good. Hello and welcome to the Ringer NBA show. I think we're calling this one drafting group chat. That just rolls off the tongue. That's beautiful. That's because I'm here Love with uh, One Shining Podcast, Tate Frazier. Woo! Happy to be here. <laughs> and I'm also here with draft classes, Danny Chow and Kevin O'Connor. What up? I'm Hello. Chris Ryan. I usually host group chat. We wanted to bring the Voltron together to talk about the NBA draft. It's about 48 hours away. We're recording this on Tuesday afternoon. It'll be up and in your ears on Wednesday morning. I'm sure by then Puma will have signed half of the 2026 <laughs> draft class. Yes. We'll all be wearing Pumas by then. Let's start at the top of the draft because the one thing that we seem to know for certain is that DeAndre Ayton is going to go number one. The other thing that we know for certain is DeAndre Ayton apparently models his personality off of Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. Because <laughs> my guy's got a bunch of alter egos. Is this a red flag, Kevin O'Connor? <laughs> According to your own Weitzman Slam <laughs> Magazine story, DeAndre Ayton has several alt- alter egos, including Josh, a quote, generic white dude. I'm not, <laughs> not sure if I should feel, feel offended by that. Eric, a dude who loves Fortnite. And then two other guys named Rodrigo that's a, that's and like Alejandro. A, that's not a personality quirk. <laughs> a dude who likes Fortnite? That's not <laughs> compelling at all. That's true. It's very modern. Yeah. I, like uh, I think this is just supposed to be a bit of color. DeAndre Aiden has the number one pick locked up, but... Any like nerves about Aiden? I, I just want to know which one of those all three goes is the one that manifests on the court when he just doesn't try protecting the rim. I think Ooh. that's the Fortnite guy. I think because he's yeah. rather be playing Fortnite. I want to know which is the one that like goes hard on offense that like just throws down ferocious stunks because be that guy all the time on the court. Like if you have multiple personalities, use that one all the time on the basketball court. See, I haven't talked to you about the draft yet, yeah. really. Do, do you think it's silly that Aiden has been the, the number one pick for a month now? I think it's a little bit of an Arizona bias. I think once, as soon as he went there and Phoenix had the first pick, he even tweeted out. He was like, I'm I'm, I'm, I, yeah, I'm going number one. I'm excited about it. I think the personality thing, it, it rubs me the wrong way just, <laughs> just because it reminds me of Dwight Howard, you know, yes. where he's like, he's trying to do the Shaq thing. Yeah, you know? and it, it's also like, why are these guys modeling themselves after JaVale McGee? Yeah. <laughs> it's like him, well, Carl, champion, Carl yes. Anthony Towns. Ha- oh, well, yeah, Th- that's course. probably why. Carl Anthony Towns had Carlito for a little bit. You <laughs> oh, know, his, wow. his little bit as Carlito's a little, oh, that's right. little guy on, on the side of his shoulder kind of telling him what to do. It's, it's a weird bit that we're taking into like this weird zone where... I can't I mean, believe I finally am seeing you get old. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, yeah like, <laughs> these kids just like, today. Yeah. Just completely cantankerous. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't get it. The number one pick is pretty much locked up. We can we can question DeAndre Ayton's uh, championship level mental toughness. We'll have plenty of time to do that when Phoenix is good in like five or six years. Oh man! The, the agents of chaos in this draft are definitely the Sacramento Kings because it's forty eight hours until the draft, and we still don't know what Vladi and Vivek are going to do. It was Luca for a while. <laughs> Now, by all accounts, Kevin, it seems like Bagley is starting to settle in as the consensus number two pick. It it does sound like it's going to be Marvin Bagley. Around the time that the NBA draft lottery happened last month, the noise was that Sacramento liked Marvin Bagley and Michael Porter. Um, Porter has kind of fizzled, and at least for them, it seems like a little bit. So maybe if it's not Bagley, it would be Luka Doncic, but all indications as of now, 48 hours until the draft, seems like it'll be Marvin Bagley. Congratulations, Puma. You've done it. The top two picks. And congratulations to Duke University for producing another (laughs) NBA star. Yeah, sorry, actually. (laughs) Just another one. 
<laughs> I was incorrect what I was going to say. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> you sound like Vladi Divac. <laughs> I hope we keep that in. Uh, Tate, I, I know that you have a complicated relationship with Duke University. Mm-hmm. Uh, how are you feeling about Bagley's prospects as a professional athlete? I think that Puma proved that Bagley's the number one pick in their mind. They yeah. drafted him first. That was their big signee, the first one since Durant. So they were like, this is our guy. Durant went number two, too. You know, people forget that happened. Yeah. Uh, I love Marvin Bagley's game. I like Marvin Bagley's dad. I like the whole family. I like what they did to Nike. I like how they played this long con on them and then signed with Puma uh, at the last hour. Um, I think he's just, what, what's the word they say? Springy? Is that what Spring, they say? Right. In his, yeah. in his draft pocket? He's a very springy guy, you know, gets up and down. Uh, I'm not really worried about the defense. I know a lot of people that's like the talk that he's not a great defender, but he, he thinks he's a great defender. He said he's a great yeah. defender, but he just has a lot to learn, which I, I don't know. That's an, a, a little bit of an oxymoron or a contradiction, but <laughs> I uh, I do believe in Bagley. I like Bagley. There's no Duke hate with Marvin Bagley. Okay. For me. Wendell Dang. Carter, on the other hand, I'll have him We'll thoughts. get to Wendell because mm. he could be a future sixer. I want to talk to you about <laughs> him. But Danny, last year around this time, uh, the sort of the thing that we were talking about with the Kings a lot was this need for a culture change. And that right. was sort of behind the Zebo and Vince signings. And that was largely, I think, is for, for as much as hot as people were for De'Aaron Fox. It was this idea that they were going to get this super competitive point guard who was going to set the tone for years to come. George Hill. Like, you think George Hill could have done <laughs> yeah, that? that was George Hill. That was George Hill. <laughs> LeBron stole him away. Well, if, if last year was a culture set reset, what's this year about for the Kings? Why Bagley for them? They just need proven talent. At this point, they need a guy who can be a marquee guy. I think with De'Aaron Fox last year, yes, he was exactly the guy that they wanted to grab, but he didn't really have that stellar of a year. He was very much outshadowed by, what, like four different point guards from, from the Dennis class. Smith, Donovan Mitchell. I mean, yeah. The Lonzo? Be, even yeah. like Frank. Frank Fox, yeah. Yeah. Fox had some moments, right. to be fair. Yeah, and he had some clutch moments. Yes. The, the moments that he did have were like, oh, wow. Okay, mm-hmm. so this guy is a gamer. But... You know, they need a guy who can really just kind of anchor their perception around the league. Yeah. A guy who, maybe another guy like DeMarcus Cousins who can automatically give you 20 and 10. (laughs) That works out. out. Yeah, exactly. But that's what what they're kind of building for. It's like, we need a guy who could actually put up those numbers, you know? The thing with the Kings, Kev, is that for as much as they need somebody, they need somebody like Bagley to anchor perception, as Danny said, because... They're still a team that a lot of people are skeptical about. A lot of franchise, a lot of people are skeptical about. There's rumors, Jonathan Givney said on Zach Lowe's podcast, that Jaron Jackson and Mo Bamba and Luca had all withheld medicals from Sacramento. Mm. There was also, there just seems to be a lot of chaos around this pick too, where there was talk that they could trade out. There was talk that they might reach for Porter. How important is it for Vladi to get this right? I think, like JG said, Jonathan Gavoni said on that podcast as well, where I think for them, it's also about getting a guy that wants you, right? Mm -hmm. So Marvin Bagley is the guy who seems to be open to going to Sacramento. He'd be happy to go to Sacramento, whereas with those others, maybe not so much. I think even more so than changing the perception about your team, it doesn't matter if the guy wants you. It It shouldn't matter. Just draft the guy that you think gets you the best in the best position to actually build a winning team. If that's Luka Doncic, Bring him in and sell him on Sacramento. Like those fans, like were really, really good when that team was winning. So it's like if Luca can bring back winning to Sacramento alongside De'Aaron Fox, then beautiful. And those Great. fans really, really want Luca. Yes, they are all like. So there was a there was a Twitch account that we were all watching the ACB final final game on. 
almost the entire chat was populated by Kings fans. I didn't, I didn't know that there were that many Kings fans online. <laughs> They're a vocal and motivated bunch. For sure. Yeah. I, I mean, it's like that, and that, like, on the other side, like, that probably shouldn't matter for Luca. No matter where he goes, he's going right. to be loved and whatever. But if Sacramento feels like Luca is the guy that they should take and he's not giving medical, I mean, maybe that's a risk you can't take without medical. But if you feel confident that he's the guy in this draft, just do it. Just take the guy, in my opinion. And I want to defend those guys for not giving their medicals because the Kings leak everything. Right. All I, all mm-hmm. I ever see is various King sources say, insert whatever. And it, it could be com- conflicting reports. Sure. So I, I wouldn't want to give my medical over to some team that's going to leak it out and say, hey, Michael Porter Jr. has like a bum hip. Or They'll probably like Bamba s- has sign like him a up for injury. a bunch of mailing lists with yeah. their medicals. <laughs> yeah, and then your email's blown up. Dear Michael, yeah. we hear that your back ribs are hurting. Yeah. Have you ever thought about this brace? Yeah. <laughs> I, I just think that's like so smart on their part. All these, like, like, tar- targeted Instagram ads suddenly. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. Yeah. There seems to be like below the, it seems like the Suns and the Kings are going to really obviously with the one and two picks. I don't mean to say this is an obvious thing where they're going to define the way this first round goes, but the Kings can either throw this draft into chaos, but let's say the Kings do the quote unquote smart thing and take the Duke kid at two. Take Bagley, Bagley right? Not Wendell. <laughs> Is there, what is there like, do you think that then that really puts, is Luca in play to slip? Or do you think that Atlanta or Memphis is going to be right there to pounce on Luca? Yeah, I kind of don't feel like he slips past four or five. I think he could. Theoretically. So can you tell me why? Theoretically. Is it um, out of because people are skeptical of him or is it because people have their hearts set on people, on players like Jaron Jackson or uh, Mo Bamba? Yeah, it's a little bit of both. I think we're finding out how teams actually value Luka Doncic right now compared to some of these big men like Jaron Jackson Jr., one of the youngest guys in the draft, 18 years old, multi-positional defender with one of the biggest wingspans in the draft aside from Mo Bamba. Uh, somebody who can stretch the floor from three, who's moved a little bit better off the dribble than you would think. So it's, I think it's easy to see like why you might fall in love with Jaron Jackson over Luka Doncic. Granted, he's my number one prospect, Doncic is, but for some of these teams, maybe they just value the big man moving forward. Maybe they perceive the big man as the position of need in the 2020s. Uh, adding a big man to look ahead rather yeah. than focus on right now. Everybody's talking about today's league. Oh, can this guy play in today's league? It's like, no, teams are drafting for the 2020s, not for the 2018-19 right. season. So if Atlanta wants a big, I can't fault them at all for taking Jaron Jackson. Same with Memphis at four. And there's a question if Luke would, would want to go there as well. One thing about Jaron Jackson that I will say, I think the you you brought up about Wendell Carter. You know, he didn't take over 10 shots, I think, except for like five or six games this season. Jaron Jackson had Nick Ward at Michigan State, and Nick right. Ward was basically taking minutes yeah. away from him. So there, you haven't seen the full potential of Jaron Jackson when a team is built around him and he's a central figure. Because Izzo is a college coach. He's built in the way where I'm going to play my veteran. And Nick Ward would have fought him if he didn't play. So he had to play him at this point. Um, so that gives me a little bit of... Uh, belief that Jaron Jackson... But you could be skeptical for the same exact reason, right? Because we've never actually, and I've heard other people say this, you've never seen Jaron Jackson be the best guy on the floor, right? Mm -hmm. So you're basically, you have to wonder, am I giving up a third pick for a dude that I'm not even sure (laughs) has ever like dominated a competitive game since he's been on national television? It's it's a lot of projection, but it's a lot of projection that's easy to project. Like he has such a defined skill set for the future of the NBA that you can see him, and especially with his 7-5 wingspan, the fact that he can guard out on the perimeter, that pretty much sells me. The fact that he can also hit threes at a 40% clip in college. Very, very enticing as, as a prospect. So what makes him more interesting to you than Wendell, who also had to play sort of second-string star to Bagley at Duke, if not third-string yeah, behind Grayson? Um, Jaron Jackson doesn't have like 
two like lead feet. Wendell Carter doesn't have lead feet. I don't think. I mean, I feel I feel like his mobility. Do you think been... Al Horford has lead feet? A little bit. No. No. Because <laughs> this is the cop, right? right? That's my, like my the dream cop. What is the bar for to be an effective defensive player as a big man? Like everybody's saying, like, oh, he doesn't move like AD or Draymond Green. It's like, yeah, nobody does. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like these guys are in a class of their own. It's like Wendell Carter, I think, with NBA conditioning, getting in the best shape of his life, you know, all those cliches that are accurate and true for professional athletes. I think he can easily get better than where he is now, which isn't that bad, at least in my opinion. But I mean, I feel like I'm on an island sometimes with Wendell. I, don't, I might even have him ahead of Jaron Jackson. I don't, the final rankings. I don't mind Wendell Carter being a top 10 or a lottery pick in the NBA draft. But I think when you have Bamba, who, I mean, that's 7'10 wingspan. I, I just don't know how you get over that. I mean, I would just, <laughs> if, I'm a, if I'm a yeah. GM, you're just like, I don't know. Are we can make it work. Too? Yeah, like, yeah why I can't get would fired you getting a guy with a 7'10 exactly. wingspan. Exactly. No one's right? going to be mad at yeah. me. But Carter is such an old school big man that if you do do that and the NBA you know is in this modern version that everyone keeps saying then you look like you're living in the past a little bit so. well that's where you get into position of the where you're picking this is the kind of interesting thing about this lottery specifically is you have a variety of different teams in a variety of different states of being right now because you've got some teams which you and I have talked about before Danny of like they just need dudes yeah like there kind of isn't a bad pick you might regret not getting the star that went after it but you just need to make like a double to left here because mm-hmm. you just don't have enough talent. Then there are teams whose self-perception is like, we're either making that move towards the playoffs or we are a playoff team in the case of the Cleveland. Obviously, they have some some question marks and Philly. Mm-hmm. But then there seems like Chicago and even the Knicks who were probably like, we belong in the playoffs. We want to be a playoff team. How does that kind of stuff come into play, you think, when you're talking about whether you're taking a project versus somebody with a little bit more of a proven track record who can help right away. So those two teams you mentioned specifically, the, probably the two bigger markets in the lottery, those two teams were teams that just didn't tank hard enough. Right. And their fans just were like, why didn't you guys tank hard enough? <laughs> yes. And so I think with those guys, you're definitely trying to take as big a swing as possible. So I've heard, you know, Chicago fans love Michael Porter Jr. Right. Mm-hmm. They want him so badly mm-hmm. because he represents a guy that they can get at that number seven spot while also projecting to be, you know, this kind of, you know, superstar talent. Yeah. I mean, so, this is what I was talking about on Bill's pod on Monday when I, 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 I'm not in any way like an expert about Duke second string, like the, <laughs> the second best dude on a Duke team. Mm-hmm. But I picked one little Carter and I felt myself saying, I want someone who can play right away. Yeah. And I want someone who can be a little bit of Embiid insurance and be really useful and by playoff time, be a contributor rather than Kevin Knox, who just got brought back for another workout with apparently rumored to be at Brett Brown's request. Cause I don't want to see like if an 18 year old can figure I'm tired of watching. Yeah, exactly. You don't want to go through the whole thing again. And I will say Wendell Carter is, I believe a major upgrade over Jalil Okafor as far as I I (laughs) I believe too. I I was like, as far as being an old school. There's a table over there. That's a major upgrade over Jalil Okafor. (laughs) I just would like to see a reprieve for them to get someone like Wendell Carter. Cause I think that he is a more modern, version of Jalil. Jalil is like, I mean, basically an Eddie Curry type player from the early 2000s as yeah. far as the way that he, first of all, the way he worked out and the way he treated his body and the way that he expected to to live his life in the NBA. And I think Carter knows he has to be more mobile and, and be willing to get in shape and be able to try to make an impact early. So, I mean, it does make sense. <laughs> I like, also like the fact that he can handle and pass a little bit with this. With he's a great shooter. And it's so, because Ben is such a, such a specific talent 
Ben Simmons is such a specific talent. I'd love to see Wendell Carter hitting backdoor passes of Ben cutting to the rim. If mm. Ben ever decides he likes to cut to the rim, maybe <laughs> yeah. next year. That'd be great. Yeah, I mean, let's Wonderful. go sh- a jump shot number one and then moving without the ball number two is what I'm going to say. You're, and you're not dealing with the ego of Okafor. When Okafor came in, he was like, like Dwight Howard is now. He's like, post me up, give me the ball. Yeah. I want to be the number one option. Right. Wendell Carter wasn't the number one option at Duke. He didn't have the choice to be that. And I think since he's already built that in his head, he can go in and say, okay, Embiid's the number one guy. I get that. Yeah. I can buy in. So, I mean, Kev, that's what I'm talking about. With people like Knox, it's like a debate between somebody to say like a Knox and McCall Bridges, mm-hmm. where Bridges is 22. Some people think this is what you see is what you get with him. The upside is there and he can maybe be a useful rotation guy. But do you really want to use a lottery pick on a guy who's essentially a finished product? Whereas Knox, yeah, you know, maybe like he's like a poor man's Jeff Green or maybe he's a rich man's Jeff Green. And maybe that's what you want. What do you think of somebody like Knox who's like more of a project? Yeah, I think that's certainly part of the equation. If you're a team that's can be can can be patient, you you can give a guy who's 18 years old some playing time and some leeway if he gets into foul trouble or he screws up and throws a ball out of bounds on an entry pass. You're not going to just pull him straight out of the game. You're able to develop a player. So I think teams that are focused on development right now that they're at that stage Kevin Knox at 18 years old six foot eight six foot nine athletic can shoot off the dribble no doubt right. no doubt but for Philly like you said I that should be factored in um I don't think it should if there's a guy that slips there I don't think you should pass on him just because he's raw um but it depends on the evaluation of the, of the player it's misinformation season so I'm taking all this stuff with a grain of salt but there has been rumors that Philly's trying to get up into the top first few picks. Why would they want to do that? Who is the player you think would be an enticement for them? I've heard Trey Young's name thrown out there. I don't know if that's um, that's interesting because the ESPN Insider mock yeah. has hit Trey falling. Yeah, to twelve. I yeah. think right. Um, I've heard Trey Young's. I don't know if that's for sure the target, but I've heard that that name floated it for them and makes sense on paper, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that he's a dynamic shooter who could play off Ben Simmons, or he could have the ball in his hands and. Maybe Ben turns into a cutter. Maybe Ben learns how to shoot. I think there's a lot of creative things you could do with Trey Young. Um, I'm not sure what would get it done. Maybe package Fultz with 10. Would you be willing to do that, Chris? No, I could no. not, especially not if Trey Young's going to drop. <laughs> like, I mean, I like we just went through hell to get Fultz. Let's do one more season. It, 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 I just don't know what you would package with 10 to move up. I, I've heard, heard Orlando at six yeah. is a team mm-hmm. that can move around. The higher there's that, been a lot more like they might they might trade out of this spot. I don't know whether that's because teams like Boston have like some a war chest or Clippers with that twelve Boston's thirteen. To. Yeah, they're trying yeah. to move around. Yeah. Tate, I thought Trey Young was going to be a much more hotly debated topic this draft season, but I feel like it's kind of been a little bit quiet on that front because we did it already. I okay. think that <laughs> we were like I think everyone's really tired of the fact that we've had the Trey Young conversation where everyone's done the whole well he's Steph Curry 2.0 and oh no, he's Steve Nash 2.0 like oh no, he's you Jimmer. know Jimmer. <laughs> Jimmer whatever, right. you know there, there's so many different uh comparisons that we made in January and February and then he sort of fell off the face of the earth and everyone kind of tempered uh what they thought about him. I think for him, he's sort of in a good spot where he can he doesn't have the pressure of like Memphis is going to take him and say, "Hey, we're going to you're Mike Conley's replacement." Yeah, like that's a lot of pressure to come in there, and that's not going to make Mike Conley happy, obviously. So if he goes to the Cavs or goes to Orlando, which is where I I hope he ends up right. going, just because th- there's no pressure there. Like you go and hey, 
here's the team, man. Good Can luck. John Hammond even see a human being if they're not six foot nine? <laughs> like, does he even, does he only start looking at people once they cross that? It's like Black Mirror. What is it, the ZI? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's only got six foot nine yeah. lenses. Uh, Danny, one thing I wanted to ask about is some of the mystery men, and especially in the lottery zone, because we've been hearing a lot about uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander, yeah. who uh, seems to have worked out for no one. This this is this is my <laughs> talk to favorite. No one. Yeah, and talk to no one. Okay, this so let's talk a little bit about this in the draft right now. Just because I, I brought this up on a draft class a couple weeks ago, but one of my favorite things in the past couple years was when Dion Waiters literally sat out of workouts for an entire month, got fat and happy, and then all of these teams started coming over and were like, "Hey, we want to promise you mm-hmm. at this spot." And so he didn't have to do anything. Yeah. And then he ended up getting drafted at four when he was originally projected at like number 13 to the Cavs. It was amazing. It, it's the ultimate mind game just to play that because it's like, I don't need you guys. You need me. Yeah. I'm so yeah. talented. And then teams are like, wait a second. Like, <laughs> let's look back at the tape. Like, is Gojus Alexander the next Rondo? Let's figure it out. So I'm, <laughs> I'm of two minds of this thing. So I'm super into SGA. I have also recently just left Malik Monk rehab. So I'm still getting over the the fact that I was like walking around being like the Sixers need Monk at three. This is a lock because I saw him (laughs) score 40 points once and I was like, that's all the tape I need, brother. Like I was really (laughs) losing it about Malik Monk. So I'm a little bit skeptical about Kentucky guards. Am I right to be so? I mean, he he's a completely different type of player. I think he's much more compatible with other types of guys. He doesn't really project to be, you know, a ball dominant point guard. You okay. know, he can kind of slide, you know, slip through the cracks and kind of fill in where you want That's him to be. That's what everybody said yeah. about Fultz. He's, he's so. more like post-injury Sean Livingston, a a a better version of Michael Carter-Williams type of player. Sean, uh, Shea Gildas <laughs> Alexander Put that is. on a greeting card. Uh, I know. Post-injury <laughs> well, Sean <laughs> Livingston. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, if you say pre-injury Sean Livingston, you're talking about one of the top high school talents yeah, sure. right? <laughs> of the century, really. Right. And, yeah, and this guy, this guy, to start off, he was a four-star recruit. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, as, as Charks had written during March Madness, this is the first time a Kentucky team was led by a four-star recruit in the Calipari era ever. Since Ryan Harrow, basically. Right. But he transferred in. <laughs> right. So, yeah. yeah. Gildas Alexander's interesting because like, like you guys talked about, you know, he hasn't worked out for anybody. He hasn't done any media. has barely done anything at all. Like, even at the Combine, he wouldn't say which teams he talked to, which, yeah. is, which some prospects do here and there. Chill out, Jason. It's rare. Just like, it's yeah, like it's, there's only so many teams yeah, that could draft no you. Kidding. There's only only 30, but um, <laughs> yeah, I, he he's intriguing. I, I I think Cleveland likes him at eight. Yeah, I, I was going to ask you. Goes at six, two, and maybe? then there's, a, there's another team that's sort of been linked with him that I wanted to ask you about as since you have your doctorate in blowing it up. Toronto <laughs> has, through various sources, made themselves open for business and I think that the uh, long-awaited, never-seen never Maasai rebuild mm-hmm. has been floated again. And one of, the, one of the players that they seem interested in is SGA. Does that necessarily mean that Lowry's on the block? I don't know, man. They just got, they just got to bring in their native son. You know, the, the <laughs> son of Hamilton, Ontario. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shea Gilgis-Alexander. I, I mean, I, I'm kind of into it. Like, I feel like Lowry is probably one of the most... He he's a star who has the one of the best shots at getting traded in the Jimmy Butler vein okay. this draft. Just because, yeah, like what are what are you gonna do with this core of Lowry and DeRozan for the rest of eternity? And if you're Orlando, <laughs> right, and you're at six and you do want a point guard and you're not really locked in and you don't you don't like SGA, you don't like Trey Young, and you're kind of sitting there and you're like, 
Why don't we just trade for Kyle Lowry? Why don't we get an all-star down in Orlando and, and see what happens? <laughs> and that could be the same thing where it's like Kyle Lowry comes in and immediately like professionalizes the organization, right? Maybe. Uh, yeah. yeah. I don't but, know. But it's like Jason Concepcion <laughs> at Network tweeted yesterday, quote, can I interest you in a lightly used six foot in shoes, 32 year old point guard with weight issues? He plays super hard. What's his salary like? Are you interested? Yes or no? And his salary, by the way, two years, $65 million left on his deal. Yeah, but Orlando's not going anywhere. Like, if you're Orlando, like Kyle Lowry, at least like another year of Kyle Lowry's prime. No way. Okay. No way. Get out of here. (laughs) Their leading assist man last year was Shelvin Mack at 3.9. Yeah. But what are we trying to do here? Are we trying to win games? No, we're trying to finish eighth in the East and sell some tickets. (laughs) Yeah, we're trying to to make Bubba Watson's courtside seats (laughs) worth it. Are Orlando fans going to be, whoa, are we going to go to a Magic game to see Kyle Lowry? I don't know. They might do it. They want to see Jameer Nelson. (laughs) Yeah, and what happens if Trey Young is Jimmer Fredette and you could have had Kyle Lowry? You You know who they would go to see is a really good rookie. Somebody who has promise and hope, not the guy who's like... Johnny Isaac's already there. (laughs) (laughs) He's already there. What would you think that... uh, Is that kind of tension where you're looking to generate some interest around your franchise, is that the thing that people are going to get drunk on Porter Jr. for because it's this Mm. idea that because of this one red flag, albeit a back issue, which is never the red flag (laughs) you want to see, that you you are looking at somebody who is like an alpha scorer who could put butts in the seats every night. He's an alpha. That's for sure. I mean, he's calling himself like the next T-Mac, the, the next, next Kevin Giannis. Durant, Giannis. So, I mean, like, if I you're, could if, not believe those quotes. I, know, right? <laughs> I can't believe his agent just letting him <laughs> so, talk. Like so, that. not only he's like, so well, I Bar- like, Bar- I heard he's selling him as the next KD too. Like, the, that's what he's billed as, the next KD. And if you, if you follow the line of logic of, of these quotes, it's like, yeah, I like to compare myself to these guys. And then towards the end, he's like, it's such an honor to be compared to these guys. <laughs> <laughs> you did it. No one else is saying that. You were nine from twenty-nine from the field in college. Like that was your entire stat line. Like I don't, I don't know how we've gotten so far here. And I blame the Pacific Northwest because they are really? getting, Yeah, they are all talking about. They, he's the best high school player they've ever seen. I think that's a disservice to Jamal Crawford. Absolutely. And I think that's offensive to Jamal Crawford. I hope that Michael Porter Jr. is good, but. All I hear is hip problems. All I've seen is back problems. And all I'm waiting on is for someone to convince me why he should be right. one it, of these top picks. It's it's like it's weird because everybody's like, oh, he's a top ranked high school player before the season. If he if he had stayed healthy, he'd be the number one pick. It's like, or maybe we'd be like he's a mid first rounder <laughs> if we saw him the whole season. We right. might look at him and be like, Oh, it'd be nice if he could, you know, if he was a little bit quicker when he yeah. turned the corner. So we're seeing that mystery is kind of leading to some of the the potential value here, mm-hmm. right? Um, I want to ask one more thing before we get into some quick hit questions, and that is the question that we're going to be talking about throughout uh, the rest of the month and into July and into our barbecues is what's up with LeBron and whether or not there are any tea leaves to be read depending on what the Cavs do on draft night. Now, by all accounts, and by all accounts, I mean I have no idea, uh, there has been some contact between LeBron and the organization, although I don't think it's necessarily on the I draft. I got to clean out my locker. It, it uh, might be like, what, what day is a good day for my guy to come by <laughs> to clean LeBron's my stuff camp, up? Not LeBron specifically on that report? I yeah, think. LeBron's yeah, camp. Yeah. And I don't think we're, we're on Shabazz Napier levels right now, but, you know, you know, like at least some contact. Is there anything where it is a Bridges, a Mikhail Bridges the kind of person you draft if you think LeBron's coming <laughs> back, but uh, there's more of a project to draft if you think he's going? I still don't think Mikhail yeah. Bridges is old enough. To, to meet uh, LeBron's, you know, you, you have to be this old to right. play with me mm-hmm. uh, mold. But, I mean, he, he liked Trey Young, right? 
He did like Trey Young, but I think the the most telling thing about the Cavs right now is that LeBron James, if he was really invested in what the Cavs are going to do with this eighth pick, we would see reports coming out. Like, LeBron really loves Mikel Bridges. Right. And likes the way that Izzo molded him and thinks that he could come in and play right away. I haven't seen one of those stories where, like, LeBron is involved at all. So that makes me say, I think, you know, the Cavs are making their own decision. Right. Like, like Unless outside this is, of LeBron. This is, forget the, him. Forget LeBron or yeah, forget Bridges? Like who cares what he thinks? Kev. No, in all seriousness. <laughs> Kev. He, he's, he's one of the reasons why you signed JR to the money you did, to yeah. Tristan Thompson the money you did, this blah, 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 so on and so forth. Who cares wow, who he huge wants? Huge statement from the pro Kobe Altman lobby at this no, table. No, but who, like, no, really. What what difference does it make who he wants? Like, the decisions haven't been great in the past. Well, okay, does, so I guess the, the, the value of that pick is along package with love or whatever. Is that that it would be if you were going to restock again around him? You would think that we would be maybe hearing more about that the Cavs shopping that pick. I mean, I think that's that's probably the only thing that would appeal to LeBron is trading that pick for some type of established player. Um, maybe you know, in a fantasy, fantasy land, you get Damian Lillard for Kevin Love in the eighth pick, CJ McCollum type. I mean, maybe you go for Kemba Walker. I gotta be honest, right? I'd be pretty I into mean, that if I was Portland at this point for CJ or Dean. For Dame. Or either. Ooh. But I'm a pretty um, pro CJ running the point person. I like too. that. I, yeah. I would love to see CJ with, with the, the keys of the car. Yeah, like CJ the in the Harden yeah. playmaker role. Mm-hmm. All fun. right, guys, I want to uh, wrap us up by doing a couple of quick hit questions. If you, you can either, you can jump in and if you want to pass, just pass. Man, that's it. I want to go for an hour, man. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, we got, uh, I want to ask about busts and I want to ask about risk here. So Tate, starting with you, who mm-hmm. do you think is the riskiest pick in this draft? It's Michael Porter Jr. Okay. Uh, and I, I I, think that a lot of people will say, well, there's also a high reward, you know, if you do take him and he turns out that he is the star that everyone thought he would be when he was 18 years old. I don't like back problems. I don't like anybody comparing themselves to Giannis. <laughs> Kev- he said that he can he is, he is, can back down people uh, with more aggression than Kevin Durant. He's a better shooter than Giannis. And that most people <laughs> compare him to T-Mac. I mean, that was the quote. So if I see that and I'm a GM, I'm like, my God, this guy does not want to work hard and, and thinks that he's already set. Somebody somewhere in a front office though just put a cigar in his mouth. It was like, I love it. I love the confidence. Vladi Yeah, probably. <laughs> Jerry West. Kev, outside of Porter, any other bust potential here? Trey Young. Okay. Uh, we wrote about him last mm. week on The Ringer. Uh, obviously, he has the shooting ability. He's not Steph. He's not a transcendent shooter. He's a really, really good shooter, maybe even a great one, um, but not Steph. Because uh, of the release, right? Yeah, because I mean, of that the was release. The, that was the problem in college when they when people started getting out on him. I mean, he couldn't get his shots off. Yeah, and that's and, a problem. And, and and you know the defense is going to be a problem no matter what happens in the league. They'll hunt forward, him down, gonna, especially in the playoffs. They are going to hunt him. Yeah, and if the if there's a lot of pressure on his offense to be great, and if it's only very good, I don't know. I'm not sure about him meeting expectations. Can I play devil's 10. advocate for mm-hmm. one second here with Trey? Is what if Trey does wind up on one of these? better position teams or teams with a stronger backcourt, stronger perimeter offense. And he's allowed to like fill a role rather than carry all the water. Like, like he did for the Sooners. Like next just to saying, ben, that type of like, thing? I think that that would be like an interesting spot for him to land. And I think that that would also mm. be a place where he gets shielded a little bit. I mean, he right. can't, you know, like he's there, there's going to already be like a lot of uh, intense spotlight on Markel coming into next season. Trey could maybe find his feet a little bit. I don't know. It seems like a good, I'm not even actually that big of an advocate for it, um, but I do think that it would probably be suitable. Danny, any other people who you think, aside of Porter and Young, who are big bust potential? I mean, I really like him as a prospect, but I mean, Mo Bamba yeah. is out there. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I haven't seen any of the workouts. He Kev, seems stuck you have. at Dallas. He seems st- right. stuck at that fifth pick. It, it's <laughs> just, you know, I've seen 
prospects shoot from the outside when they haven't shown that ability in the past. I saw Dwight Howard shoot those pre-draft workouts. I saw Willie Cauley-Stein hit three-pointers off the dribble. How about Andre Drummond this summer shooting threes exactly. in a gym, making every right. single shot? Hassan Whiteside. Yeah. So I've I've seen this. I've I've been scarred before. That's always a, a concern that's weighing on my mind. But at the same the, time, it's like, oh my God, the seven, seven ten minutes. <laughs> this is going to sound really dumb, but... What if Andre Drummond can shoot threes and the coaching staff just hasn't enabled him in a position to do it? What if Willie Cauley-Stein can hit spot-up corner threes and the Kings just haven't done it? Like They've tried. Aaron, Aaron Baines suddenly, out of nowhere, This is something that you and I have been threes. talking about for ever since you joined The Ringer, though, is this idea of fit and this idea of, like, the talent might be all in and around the same area in this draft. I mean, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But so much of this is going to depend on the environment that these guys yeah. land in and whether or not they can be developed and what they're being asked to do. So let me flip that question on you a little bit. What's the spot you don't want to go if you're one of these top 10 draft picks? Uh, besides Sacramento? Sure. <laughs> sure. Um, I mean, I guess it depends on which player you are. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure. I need to think about this. Like, you, I would you, say, like, Orlando does not have a good history of developing their rookies, but it seems like now they have a new regime, and John Hammond does have a pretty good history at, at Milwaukee of finding guys to how, do... How about Cleveland? Because there's yeah, so much yes. uncertainty moving forward where will LeBron come back? Will he don't? Will he not come back? Is Ty coming back? Yeah. And if he doesn't come back, then, like, everybody's... All the focus is on you to be the next savior of the Cleveland Cavaliers, and if you're not, it's... That's scary. Yeah, that's interesting. All right, let's talk a little bit about um, the Jordan Bells, the non-lottery picks who could bolster some of the better teams in the late first round. Any but guys that you're keeping your eye on in that regard that you think will drop down? A little Grayson? Kevin's going to love this. I, I do think the Boston Celtics are going to take Grayson Allen yeah. uh, with that pick. Um, he's so perfect. <laughs> it's. I, I made the joke earlier. I'm pretty sure Danny Ainge thinks that's his kid. And... <laughs> He wants to have him on the team. He needs to have just like a little bit of like a spitfire out there, you know, and then the same vein as Marcus Smart. I would love Marcus Smart to mentor Grayson Allen and just basically say, lean into it. Yeah. Like you are this person that you're yeah. trying not to be. Mm -hmm. Trip people, punch people, <laughs> spit on people. You think Grayson should become an honorary Morris triplet? Like yes. they should just roll together <laughs> yes. and hang out? Yes, absolutely. And he just wears the Morris jersey and everyone's like, those two guys look exactly the same. Who is this guy? Um, they think he's like his PR person. I, I do think Grayson on the Celtics is just too perfect to pass up. Um, I like him going 26 to Boston. Kev, what about you? What about a Jordan Bell for you? Um, Josh Okoji from Georgia Tech. I don't Love know if he counts as a Jordan Bell, but then again, we didn't think Jordan Bell would fall all the way to the second round. Always count um, on Tate to give an amen to a mid-tier ACC guy. Georgia Tech, Josh Passner <laughs> got him right. Uh, Okoji's very interesting. He, like, he's got a baseline as a 3 and D type of a guy who can spot up for you and play hard on defense, but there's also a little bit of ball handling potential there where maybe there's more to his game. Only 19. Uh, he'll be 20 when he's a rookie. Um, maybe he develops into something more than just a 3 and D guy as he develops. The new Will the Thrill Barton. Mm, I like it. Danny, what do I you like think? It. Along the lines of KOC's Joshua Kogi pick, Kyrie Thomas out of Creighton, mm -hmm. yep. just a fantastic defender. I love watching this guy play defense. He's one of those guys like has that kind of Drew Holiday like gliding aspect to the way he plays defense. Uh, has shown a lot of three-point potential. Has shown some playmaking off the dribble potential. Um, just a classic like plug-and-play 3-and-D guy, I think. We both I, love him. I don't yeah, know how yeah. late he's going to last, but 
I can't wait to see Zaire Smith. Oh yeah. Uh, and I would be, it would be awesome whether it's Milwaukee, like Insider has him mocked at, or somebody even better than that. Like he's definitely like one of those guys you peg as like a Zach Levine type, where he yeah, might win the right. dunk contest. You know, next year yeah. people are freaking out about him. Like who's the Zaire Smith guy? Does he have other elements to his game that are NBA ready? Um, he he can. Not he's really. very weird. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's so it's so yeah. weird to project him just because he played such a weird system at Texas Tech. He was basically a four and a five when he's like yeah. Avery Bradley size. Really. Yeah. So one interesting possible scenario for him would be if he went to the Nuggets and he played kind of like he was a cutter for Jokic. That would be awesome for me. Mm-hmm. I like I, w- it. I would love yeah. that fit for him where yeah. where there's not because everybody's like, oh, can he learn how to play point guard? Can he develop his ball handling? It's like, no, who cares? He put him in a situation where he's around all the playmakers. Like you said, Jokic, mm-hmm. even Harris can handle a little bit. Jamal yeah. Murray can handle, which I think would allow him to be who he is. And that's just a guy without a position. Somebody who just does weird things for you and does them well. Um, this is such a big men laden draft. Like I, I, you know, and and, and it's Aiton and it's Bamba and you know Bagley, yeah. Bagley Wendell. Are we going to look back because we've had this conversation towards the end of the playoffs on group chat, Kev, where it was sort of like we're going into this draft and all the all the top picks are going to be big men, and then are any of these guys going to be playable in the spring and summer? <laughs> I, I think it's tough. I mean, you can go back to like, uh, I think it was the 2002 draft where they it was like Eddie Kerr was in the top of that yeah. draft and, and it was just a, a, a big problem. My thing with the big men is I think that you can get Brandon McCoy and Mitchell Robinson in the second round and right. maybe you just say, hey, this is like, this is the seven footer I want. I don't have to deal with like the whole prima donna stuff. I don't have to waste a high draft pick yeah. and I can get a guy and maybe he's Andrew Bynum for three years and then I ship him out. Interesting. I kind of almost wish that there was. This is this is a definitely a year where I wish there was like a third and fourth round of the draft so that we could see a little bit more creative pick packaging and being like, you know what, we think we can do something in this area or this area of the draft. You're not going to get that kind of thing because these picks are so valuable and you might hit. Kevin, what do you think about this tension with the big men being valued high in the draft, but like not being valued when it comes to the postseason? I think back to 2009 when the Warriors drafted Steph and then 2011 when they drafted Clay, and then 2012 when Draymond Green fell to the second round. Mm-hmm. And, and Harrison Barnes. Yeah, Harrison, <laughs> I can't forget Harrison Barnes. And the conversation then wasn't about, it wasn't like, oh, can you fit a big man sure. in today's modern league? Nobody was talking about Steph, Clay, Draymond fitting into this super switchy small ball era or whatever. Right now, it's not because about... Because it didn't exist. It yet. didn't exist. Yeah, right. And right now, it's like, Sure. Theoretically, this could continue for the next 20 years. This could be the next style of play where everybody's playing small with the guy like Draymond of the five. My question is, where are those Draymonds? They don't exist. Draymond is unique. He he is honestly probably one of the most unique players we've had in league history. Someone yeah. his height that can right. play like him. Big men are going to play in the 2020s. They're going to have an important role. Especially if these guys hit. Yeah. yeah. Gold State's not going to last forever. They're not going to be the team that you have to beat forever. <laughs> no, because the Kyle Lowry led Orlando Magic yes. are coming. <laughs> yes. But Danny, like this is actually like the way it works, right? Like if Aiton's good, if Bagley's good, if Bomba's good, if Embiid keeps playing well, right. you start getting five, six, nine teams with good centers who can play both ends of the floor. And teams suddenly, are going to have to yeah. adjust to them. How you counter is by having one of those dudes too. And that's something that both me and Kevin have talked about frequently. I wrote about this uh, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, that's that's just the way it works. And big men have always dominated the league. That's mm-hmm. just this is uh, an aberration where where we're at. 
and let's be honest, Clint Capella was a major problem for the Warriors. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why like that series was getting messed up because Clint Capella was playing so well. And it, and if you have a guy that is has the skill set of Clint Capella, but at another level, like a DeAndre Ayton or something like that. I mean, I don't know how they counter that. JaVel McGee has to play. Yeah. And that's part of it. It's like, sure, maybe maybe this season, if you're the Memphis Grizzlies this year, Marvin Bagley might not be able to play in the series against that guy, or Mo Bamba might not be able to. Wendell Carter might not be able to play against Golden State. But what about in 2021? Right. When you're actually, when that's the time where you hope to be a contending team. At that time, the league's going to look different. Teams will be playing differently. There'll be new trends. There'll be new star Anthony players. Anthony Davis could be on another team by Who then. Knows? He could be on a team that is going the to the finals, the Warriors, the, the Celtics, Warriors. whatever. Yes, yeah, absolutely. All right. Before we go, I want to ask this. Give me uh, one prediction for draft night that you think would make uh, the normal fan like me or whatever flip their table over in shock. <laughs> uh, something that we don't see coming. Uh, Robert Williams getting drafted in the top 12. Okay. I think I think if Robert Williams, I think I, he impressed a, a a few people that that I've heard just from that North Carolina game in the tournament, and then he obviously what he did to Michigan really hurt him, and he played horrible in that game and back to back series. So it was basically you get to see both sides of the guy. But I know there are a lot of people that are really high on him still and think that he could play the five. And uh, Robert Williams, I think maybe I probably will flip my table if that happens. I'll probably just Google Robert Williams. <laughs> <laughs> he needs a new he needs a nickname. He's, Robert Williams is not enough. Similar to that, you might Google Jerome Robinson. Okay, if he goes oh, in the middle. First round, yeah. um, but the one that would I think would get people really flipping their tables is if Trey Young falls out of the top ten. Interesting. Someone could fall with SGA rising, Kevin Knox rising. Whether it's Michael Porter or Trey Young, someone I think could that fall. That's Trey. Two yeah. childhood friends. What about you, Danny? Give me a crazy prediction. Dante Divincenzo yes! going to the Warriors. Yes. Mm. That that I think people would flip their heads with that. That's just like be, okay, it, the dude dropped thirty one in the championship game, and now he's going to the, the champions. If he right, makes cool. it that far, yeah, <laughs> we'll see. You mean he wouldn't? He wouldn't still be there? We'll see. You think he could go up yeah. higher than that? Mm-hmm. I'm really hoping Melvin Fraser goes there. I love Ooh, Melvin oh, Fraser. Yeah, I love that fit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tulane. Yeah. All right, well, big dunker. We're gonna do a live mock draft at. 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. So you probably are listening to this on Wednesday morning. If you are, turn on your Twitter because we're there. So Kevin, (laughs) John, and Danny uh, are going to be doing a live mock draft hosted by me. And then on Thursday night, we'll be doing uh, half an hour before the draft and throughout the first round, uh, a watch along on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook. Tate will be there. All the Ringer kids will be around hanging out, watching the draft. We're really excited for Thursday night because we won't really know what's going to happen. It's going to be really exciting for Tate, for Kevin, and for Danny. I'm Chris Ryan. We'll talk to you soon. Basketball is very good. Basketball is very good.